Hello, it's Jamie Moore here and you're very welcome to League of Ireland Live's Dundalk in Europe episode one. The group stage is awake and I'm joined by the Dundalk captain Chris Shields. Shieldsy, how are you? Good afternoon. Grand, yeah. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thanks. Not too bad. Back in level five or nearly back in level five lockdown. But thankfully for the sports fans and for me, the sports reporter, we're allowed to, you're allowed to play in the football matches. We're still allowed to cover them and it's all systems go for another Europa League group stages starting this Thursday in Tallis Stadium against Molde FK of Norway. Yeah, thankfully we can go ahead. We I hadn't really uh, put much thought into it in being cancelled. I couldn't have seen it being cancelled. And Obviously, when you get the confirmation midway through the Derry game last night that was allowed to go ahead, it's all systems go for Thursday now, which is very, very exciting. Yeah, it's been, I suppose, since the path to the group stages was confirmed against KI, at the Aviva Stadium, it's been quite a hectic couple of weeks with league games to be played. You guys still have a couple of games in hand on the teams around you. The win, 2-1, last night at the Ryan McBride Brandywell brings you properly into third and you want to be in Europe next year. So the focus has probably had to be somewhat on the league games, even though the manager has made some changes with Thursday, of course, in the back of everyone's mind. Yeah, I felt last night the squad selection, team selection was right. And, and obviously it was just at the end of the night. Well, we've always said, you know, it's there's no point of us doing this this year, getting into the Europa League group stages and not even been been able to contest it next year. It would have been absolutely, probably would have been a poor, we'd consider it a very, very poor season, not being in Europe next year, all being it, getting into group stages this year. So, thankfully, it was, a, it was a good performance last night. You know, it wasn't easy. It was, you know, treacherous enough conditions, wind and rain, quite open in the stadium, but good to get three points up there. Yeah, the manager became the manager kind of maybe a couple of days after the Champions League defeat and Vinnie Perk left the club and then Alan Reynolds and John Gill left the club and Filippo Giovanni came in, Giuseppe Rossi came in with him and they've used Shane Keegan a lot more than just opposition analyst. You've had a win in the cup, you've had decent form in the league and you've now had the run clearly to the group stage of the Europa League Shields. So how would you reflect on the last number of weeks and months since the new manager has come in? Somewhat, obviously, somewhat successful. Obviously, it hard for us. We weren't really in the title race post lockdown, which was odd for us, I suppose, given the last few years of dominance. But in saying that, to go out and rescue it by getting into the Europa League group stages is something else, something we've really tried to do since 2016 and have fall, fallen flat in doing so. So I'd imagine Filippo and uh, Giuseppe are, are happy with the job they've done. You know, we're should the cup go ahead? I have not heard of any plans. Around. We're still in the cup. We've, you know, being optimistic to win the cup and then focus on Europe and hopefully seal up tour place in the process. But it was it was a strange enough time there, you know, because Vinny was there with us, with us, uh, you know, the length of time a lot of us have been there. So it was a strange, uh, tour, turbulent few weeks in the club, and it was come in and steady there, rightly so. Yeah, and the drama of the Aviva Stadium and the game against Key. Of course, you were suspended for that, and it's not the first time a big game at the Aviva Stadium that you've had to watch from the stands. What was your view of it? And I'm sure at the end, the final whistle, the celebrations, I was actually going down in the lift to the press room when you guys did, or the players that were playing, did the big slide and just that outpouring of emotion in what was an empty stadium as well, which I'm sure made it even more different. Yeah, it was, uh, to be fair, it was... So no shock, I was suspended for it, but uh, I was quietly confident going into the game, albeit, you know, you respect your opponents, but you have to have enough confidence in yourself to think, like, we're going to win this. 
without me. Like, you know, I was very confident in the squad. I see it every day, how the boys train, what they can do at different stages. And once we went, you, you said in the, in the empty stadium there, I seen a great video after the game, you know, amidst the celebrations. The noise that ourselves, the, the subs and not people, in, the people who weren't in the squad, the noise we made when Sean Murray scored the first helped make up some part of it. But like you said, you missed a great moment. Unfortunately, you were going to lift when and Dickie kind of sealed the deal and it was great. And uh, that was more of a standout moment than me than that's the slide the boys done. I was in my tracksuit and I wasn't ruining my runners for that. So I let them work away on that on their own. Yeah, it's something for us journalists. You're up at the press box, which is like the fifth tier of the Aviva. And when the international teams are playing, sometimes the manager might be in the press conference four or five minutes after the game. So it's like you're trying to make sure you don't miss that. And we wanted to speak to Filippo and a couple of the players came out. And at that stage, it was the night before the draw. And we were waiting to find out uh, who Dundalk were going to get. Filippo uh, said he wanted to get Tottenham because he wanted to play against Jose Mourinho. He didn't get Tottenham, but he got their North London rivals, Arsenal, who you'll play in the second game. Malda of Norway, as I mentioned in, in the opening game as well. And then Rapid Vienna of Austria. So I know a lot of you watched the draw together in Oriel Park on that. Was it a Friday morning? Friday, a bit bleary of a Friday morning. Yeah, yeah, Friday yeah. Morning what was the, the thoughts when uh, the draw came out and since you've had time now to maybe watch a bit of video and, and properly get your teeth into the three teams you're going to face? Uh, it's a kind of it's a draw that kind of has a bit of everything. Obviously, Arsenal is the glamour toy. You know, the, being Irish, you have the connection watching the Premier League all as you grow up. But then you have teams like Vienna and Molde who we would be hoping we can take points off and we'll be have game plans going in to take points off. Although you do that with Arsenal as well. But looking at, like, if we had got Molde in the Champions League qualifiers, we wouldn't be saying, well, let's batten down the hatches, you know? So it, it has a bit of everything. And travel-wise, it's 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 brilliant compared to 2016 when we had to travel plenty. It is a, it's a nice little group to be involved in. Yeah, you've been certainly in a few of the far-flung places in Europe in the lead-up to the group stages. And the first game will be in Tala. The second two games will be in the Aviva Stadium. And there's been a bit of a a circus involving the owner of the club or the chairman's father and the chairman and all this about getting the games in Belfast and the IRFU and Tala Stadium this and Tala Stadium that. But you guys have had some very big European nights in Tala and I'm sure from a playing staff point of view, you're not really too pushed. The pitch is decent there, very good pitch in fact. There'll be no one there either way. So there's not a massive difference where the game is, is there? No, definitely not. You know, obviously we would have liked to play all three in the V because you, like, as a footballer, you don't you don't have a long career, so you want to play in the Viva. Like it's a fantastic stadium. You want to play in that as much as you can. But like Tala as as a second choice is brilliant. We like you said, we've had many a great night there. Perfect pitch. You know they have it in pristine condition. Like you said, it's going to be an empty stadium anyway, so it'll be no skin off air nose really. Yeah, one of my favourite ever European nights as a person covering the League of Ireland was the night when Robbie Benson scored in the rain. And that was in Tala, of course, and all the group games in 2016 played in Tala. Before we talk more in depth about this group for 2020, you were a part of the squad under Stephen Kenny in 2016, who competed in, in the group stages and, and another amazing run, obviously only the second time ever an Irish club had got there, having Shamrock Rovers did it under Michael O'Neill in, in 2011. To group stages then, Zenit St. Petersburg, Azad Alkmaar and Maccabi Tel Aviv, four points from the six games. What jumps out at you from that run? Um, it was funny, you know, you, you kind of compare again. We were watching it in, in Oriel, and now we have the YDC developed into a, a great training base as far as now. But remember, we were in the Arklow Bay Hotel watching the draw the last time, waiting to play Wexford Youth away after coming out in Poland on the Tuesday. So even that stuff you remember. But 
to get four points in the first two games, I wouldn't say many people gave us much chance of doing that. So to become the first Irish club to get a point and then follow it up two weeks later, the first Irish club to get a win, obviously sticks out greatly in your mind. But the equaliser on Alkmaar is a big standout moment just because it's down to 10 men. They're 1-0 up. They're a comfortable European team. And just out of nowhere, we've got a set piece. And it's into air fans. And you just always remember the, the celebrations then. It was just uh, it was unbelievable. But then you have the other side of 16, you know, going 1-0 up against Zena. And then Dame Massey hitting the post. I could have made it too. And it's it's always the big what-if of your career. What, what could have happened had the second gone in? But no point in really dwelling on it. It's just all great memories, I suppose, now. Yeah, and I think the League of Ireland account had a tweet up during the week just highlighting the 2011 Shamrock Rovers run and the 2016 Dundalk run leading into this run too. And to have a third club in the group stages in 10 years is a really, really fantastic achievement. And two of those three for Dundalk as well. If we talk about European games, Chris, for you and and what they are in comparison to the games here and, and what they mean and the difference in the quality of the opposition, the travel around Europe to play in the games the financial rewards for the club, if we're honest, financial rewards for the players as well, but but more so just when you're looking back when you retire in X number of years and you can go 2016, 2020, I've played 12 group matches in the second biggest football competition, club competition probably in the world. Yeah, it is. It's it's When you put it that way, it's it's pretty phenomenal stuff. Even the, the qualifying, the way you qualify, you've seen parts of Europe you'd never see. You've seen them for free. Actually, you're, you're being paid to see them. You know, it's, it's something that other jobs don't provide. It's my favourite thing. I always say it about European runs. My favourite thing is the the training the night before in the new ground. And it's just a bit of crack that session, shooting and stuff. New stadiums, new surroundings. It's just really enjoy. I find it really enjoyable. You know, my wife actually <laughs> ordered me this year. She got me a European scratch map, a scratch map to, you know, scratch off where I'm being. So I'm sure when I retire... I'll hopefully looking back on that and have it mostly completed at this stage. But it is, it's just, it's it's stuff that's definitely going to stand out in your career and I probably won't really take it for what it was until I stop playing because, as I've said it before, like since six, 2016, you're so hungry to get back because you can, you've can you seen what it's like in the group stages and it hurts that a little bit more in the past three, four years that when we did it, when it didn't happen for us because you know what the goal is at the end. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that about the map. Um, my grandparents actually have a massive one on their on their wall and they have like little, they're like small darts or pins in all the places in the world that they've been. And they've been to some places that you could only ever imagine like holidays and travel for business with my granddad and blah, 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 blah. But to be able to do it as a footballer and to look back already, I mean, I could only guess probably how many countries you've actually been to to play football matches and the experiences maybe away from the pitch. And I know now it's in this bubble and you've got to stay in the hotel but yeah. up till then like maybe you might reflect on, on some of the cool places you've you've been to and, and some of the cool things you've seen there was some story a couple of years ago of Sean Gannon nearly getting arrested for a photo shoot somewhere or something <laughs> yeah that was last year in Baku in yeah Azerbaijan. yeah yeah Azerbaijan yeah himself and Jamie McGrath were out doing the press I think there was a few Irish um, journalists had gone over I think they were just getting pictures down by the sea next to because you're right on the ocean so you're just getting next to the sea next to a tree or something no, so the squad cars pull in with the the sirens going, and the boys didn't know either the photographer that you needed some for. I think it was like some sort of permit or license to take pictures out in the open in Azerbaijan. <laughs> so you learn little things like that, as well as like we we always loved it as a 
good like fair amount of us that are there doing it a few years but you always like the the day you land before you try and use having a few hours to kill so you kind of go walk around the city or local town you're in and go for a coffee and stuff like that and you always enjoy little things like that because it's it's the most you can do and unfortunately you can't do it now you've been in these covid bubbles and that's just how it is but you've seen we've enjoyed Baku and enjoyed places like Riga is a a city that you never thought you'd go to, but I'd actually be keen to get back. I'd go with some like me and my wife would hopefully go back when you can travel safely. You, you never think you'd like a young fella growing up with a dog and wouldn't be thinking you'd be saying, Oh, I can't wait to go back to Riga on my holidays. Yeah, of course. You hear so much, and we hear so much about these travel restrictions now for sports teams, and it was highlighted massively in the last couple of weeks with the Irish squad and the bubble that wasn't the bubble because the virus was in the bubble and where they were sitting on the plane and all this sort of stuff. You've had experience in a couple of the previous rounds in, in Champions League and Europa League qualifiers this year, and you'll have three more in the group games. You might explain to me what that's been like from maybe the time you, you arrive to the airport to, to when you get home and just how different the trip is and how the club are trying to ensure that you guys are just, if you've tested negative, you're not going near anybody that might even possibly be positive. Like, Yeah, it's uh, we've had three or four away, away games in Europe this year, so we're well used to it now. But the club have been brilliant and you know the uh, COVID officer David Morphy has been very good in, in, in implementing everything that needs to be implemented uh, I think we had a 180 or playing for 30 to 40 people going on most of the away trips because it was you had to be that careful and then like I said it, the international break it's 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 far harder to manage people if you want to stay in this bubble coming from different countries different places yeah. either Whereas club mates, like we all have a responsibility for each other, like so we don't want to let each other down because we know how much is at stake, especially now with Europa League group stages. So you have to be, kind of have to be quite vigilant in what you do away from the club. Obviously now level five is not allowed, not much are allowed to do, but up until that, our lads have been super, kind of live living quite reluctant to do anything lives like myself. I go train into the house bring my daughter to the park and that'd be probably the most I do at the minute because there's too much at stake to kind of drop your guard for any minute. Yeah, and we've seen in the last couple of weeks in the league with cases in Pats and Bowes and Shamrock Rovers and Galway and Wexford, the impact that that has on not just the team, the players maybe who are positive, but the close contacts, the games being off, the league being disrupted and so on. And for you guys, maybe as a player to have the potential to miss a match and for a couple of your mates the potential to miss a match because they were sitting near you or you weren't wearing your mask at the right time or you didn't do this that mm. and the other is something that I'm sure it, it's nice to hear that you're, you're all you're all trying to be as responsible as possible because the opportunity is just too big to put at risk yeah especially because I feel for the lads who've got it in the league because some people made from the outside in going oh what were they doing but it, it really is that much of a lottery now you know you have people that still have to send their children to school and you could get it that way and it, it's it's nobody's fault it's yeah. just one of them things at the minute. Yeah, and something we heard so famously of all the Dundalk trips, and I know Robbie Benson is now at St. Pat's, but the card games and the board games on, on these away trips, and you haven't had that this year. I know they've been one leg, but three of the four have been away. Must be quite boring when you have to probably just be in your room or around the lobby. And I remember the one of the previous games this season, we were previewing it with uh, Brian Garkland and, and Filippo Giovagnoli and the Wi-Fi in the hotel, wherever he is, where it was just so bad. It was impossible even to do a Skype, really, and the FIFAs weren't working and the Netflix wasn't working and it's like, oh, God, you must be just bored off your brains. Yeah, it is. It is different because we, like, Robbie was great for bringing games like stuff like that just to get your mind away in the game and have a bit of crack and 
be together as a group but there's not a lot of that now it's it's anywhere we meet would be in a larger meeting room and you're spaced out and like i said that was the moldovan trip we went in everybody had brought like their xbox or their playstation or because you'd have your netflix and your system set up and that and all we got there and you couldn't even plug the telly into you couldn't even plug your hdmi into the telly so it was it was two long days in moldova for that because you can't even go out into the street go get a cup of coffee or anything like that so that part is hard but it's just get on with it kind of thing this is the way away trips in europe work now and hopefully to god we have better wi-fi in the group stages yeah, thankfully a home match to start against Malda FK from Norway this coming Thursday at 5-6 to six kickoff in Talisade. And lucky enough to be one of the media who's actually been able to get accreditation. So I'm really looking Happy forward days. to being at the game and being able to cover the game. Uh, spoke to Shane Keegan, your opposition analyst and first team coach in the preview to the playoff game against Key. And he was able to give a really cool overview of what he kind of learned about them, but also the information that he provided to you guys because he wasn't going to give you every word of every bit of information he learned about them. So as a player... How have you, or what have you learned about Malda? I suppose the first opposition you're going to play, and and how how big are you into like team clips, individual clips, and that sort of stuff? And even maybe just looking at, for example, they're currently second in their league, and looking at their league form and some of their players and their manager, and what's that like for you? Um, yeah, no, to be fair, credit to Shane. He's been absolutely excellent since he came in. He seems to work well with uh, Filippo and uh, Giuseppe. They seem to have a nice balance. And then Shane's brilliant with the group and how he relays his information and how he even just talks through it all is good. For, for me, um, I'm not huge into... oh, Because you can, you can get into this sense of mind where you're going to overanalyze that and you can hear talk yourself into fear and too much. You don't like it. Really, doesn't matter until you step over the white line on a match day and you deal with your opponent. Obviously, you have to do your homework because you can't go into the game blind. Now we've been sent a few of the European games individually, which we all will mull over them ourselves. But you can't get too. I some people enjoy. I'm just different. It can't get too sucked into. Or you can go down a wormhole of just focusing and them. They could look brilliant in some games. Like holy jays, how am I going to cope with these boys? But like as you said their season they're having a, a season much like ourselves really champions last year and it hasn't hasn't went too well this year and now they're battling to get a European spot for next year all while qualifying for Europa League In terms of the Dundalk squad Chris you spoke earlier on about some of the lads who were around in 2016 and, and you know players are, who have su- such experience now in Europe in league and in cup you know Gary Rogers yourself Brian Gartland Sean Gannon Dane Massey who I know is injured at the moment to name Four or five, John Mountney would have been involved, I think, back then as well. Six, was, and, yeah. and I'm sure there's probably more. Patrick Huben would have been in and out. Dave McMillan was around the club at that stage as well. But then you have others like Daryl Lee, who's done so well in, in recent games. Daniel Kelly, who came on to score the crucial goal or the ceiling goal as such against Key. A couple of the boys who've come in from abroad as well, who, who haven't been involved in, in certainly the previous Dundalk run. So, kind of what sort of conversations have you guys had with them or they had with you? And I'm sure you're all as excited as each other for what's going to come over the next six, eight, ten weeks. But at the same time, there's a good mix of kind of half the group of being there and half are about to experience it for the proper first time. Yeah, that's a, I've kind of said it. It is like the perfect mix because you have that experience of that core group, like you said, uh, Pat's McLenny being as well, another one. Yes, yes. You have that core group, but then you also have that, ex- would say, say exuberance of youth, like, you look at how well Dara has been, especially in Europe, Dara has been brilliant. Like, the numbers he covers, but just his all-around play is brilliant. You look at the, you just look at the sheer joy of Dicky scoring in the Aviva, the young blue who grows up around the corner and he's sending his club to the 
the Europa League. And then look how well Greg Sluggett's come in. You know, he's, he's came into the group as a, as a quiet lad. One of the UCD graduates, yeah, the good year at Derry last year helped them qualify, but he's he's been excellent in the Europe, and he hadn't played the European tie ever until he, he played in Andorra. So you look at the lads who have been there and done it is great for the lads, the the new experience, the new experience lads experience it to you know bounce off and ask questions and that. But sometimes you just need a, a fresh face going into it that it's just going to have sheer enjoyment and play off the bat. What sort of things have you been saying to the exuberant younger ones about what to expect from the group itself? Because unlike the playoff rounds and the qualifying rounds this year, they were over one leg. You've got home and away games. But it's a mini league. It's six, it's six matches. And I'm sure you're trying to look, as you said, look at Malda, look at Vienna on a different scale to how, how you're going to look at Arsenal. Like, Yeah, with certain respects. Um, it's hard kind of say but I try to relay it to the lads enough like make sure you, you enjoy it there's no fans so try not I can say try not to be nervous you like it's not as if you're dealing with 60-70,000 people or a hostile atmosphere going to the away games there's maybe 30% fans if you know depending on local laws but really do enjoy it because in 2016 a lot of us may have thought well we might not get this again so you really just do have to relish it and just play the games as it comes and Obviously, listen to the managers and how we want to set up, and because it's totally different to the league. But my, uh, my thing is just try and get the most out of it as you can. Yeah, the behind closed doors stuff for the supporters and for everybody involved in the games, it's been so tough. If if there's one thing that I, that I would say about it is being able to hear everything that's going on, managers, coaches, players, but also like referees and stuff. I found that interesting and. I've been at loads of games, thankfully lucky enough to to be able to go and work at games yeah. on the pitch. And it was highlighted on Monday Night Football the other night about um, Connor Cody from Wolves when he played for England and just how loud he actually was in an empty Wembley and stuff. Like, if the place is full, if Tal is full or Diviva has 25,000 in it for a match, you're probably not going to be able to shout at your midfield player to drop in or your striker to turn out or man on. So if there is a silver lining to this, it's that, the communication issues are definitely not there. Yeah, that's probably the one, one of the only positives because obviously you'd love to see you'd love to see fans, especially air home games. I would imagine we would have a keen interest throughout the country, not just coming from the dock. I'm sure it would have been great, but that is it is. I mean, you kind of forget that there's no fans. It is funny, like I've I've kind of as soon as the match starts, you forget there's no fans there because you just kind of zone in on the game and yeah, it's only until you have a little stop and play or something, you kind of realize oh nobody's here. But like you said, especially in Europe, it will be key getting points across, you know, because you have different movements and this and that. But yeah, that'll be definitely a plus. Yeah, I saw a game in Italy at the weekend. Roma were playing and I think the TV company had CGI, which is what they use for the movies, to have the whole stand <laughs> and all these mad colours. And even I saw a clip on Twitter from the WWE and they had... Uh, Monitors. They had Zoom. They had all of the fans, whatever way they had it done, there was like hundreds of little, little screens with Zoom around that looked like there was something there. And that's one thing I think, and you've seen in England with the money, but I would love, you know, with these games that banners or even for the lower tier of the stand for the TV cameras and stuff that you just can't see the empty seats. I don't know what it is about it. It's it's like just something in my head. I'm going, oh, I just wish the kind of, the empty seats weren't there. And I remember being at AC Milan, Shamrock Rovers earlier, last month it would have been. And just that moment when the Rovers players come out and there's nobody there. And I've taught my head, uh-huh. oh, God, this is so... And I'm sure when Arsenal come to the Viva, it'd be a similar experience for you guys, for everybody involved, like, that... There's just... 
they're such it's big matches a, and there's no one there. It's a sad moment you miss that yeah. roar as you enter in like we have before. We've been lucky enough to experience it before. It's you, you would have felt for the Rovers players then and AC Milan a huge, huge glamour yeah. tie. Nobody there to kind of cheer you on, which is which is tough, you know. And how do you switch? I don't know yourself or, or with the team in terms of self motivation. And I'll qualify that by saying you're going to be all massively motivated to do well in these matches. But that extra bump that the crowd do give you when you come out and do give the whole place when you come out. And if you score a goal or you have a chance or there's, you're under a bit of pressure, they, they can help and they do help. So, like for you individually, how have you flipped your mindset when that's not there to, re, to remain? You know, if a boost is needed or you're coming out that you can get something that the fans would normally give you, but they're not there, like? Um, that's for me. Be self-motivated anyway. So you shouldn't need fans to give you, you know, kick up the hole if you need it. It's just become more and more the norm since well, we're back since July. You just have to find it within yourself, or sometimes as a teammate or something like that, and just you know take five, like five or six seconds to yourself and just calm yourself, and you know don't get sucked into there's nobody here. Oh my God, I'm the spotlight's all on me because no one's here. Have you had the chance, or have you been allowed to have the chance to look at Arsenal, talk about Arsenal, watch Arsenal? Yes. Uh. They're the second game away, aren't they? Yeah, I blagged it to my wife the other day saying, Jesus, City and Arsenal on a half five. I better watch that just in case. But no, <laughs> we've definitely not. Uh, we've definitely not. You, have to, you can't You can't be discrediting another team to focus on another team that's in two weeks. It just doesn't work like that because every game is going to be tough, especially at this stage of, of any of this competition. You know, we have to really focus on Molde. And after Molde, we can't even look at Arsenal because we've Waterford in between. So we love Molde. You'll have to look straight on the Waterford. And then after Waterford on Monday, we'll start looking at Arsenal. And that's it's just the way it's always been with us, I suppose. You're watching and listening to League of Ireland Live, Dundalk in Europe. With myself, Jamie Moore, chatting to Dundalk captain Chris Shields. This is episode one and over the next... The games are over the next nine weeks, is it? Eight weeks? There's a three-week block. I think yeah. a three-week gap where the cup comes in. And then yeah. I think another three-week block. So yeah, if people want to watch or listen to the podcast, we're going to have an episode before the games and I'll be covering the, the home games anyway. So some stuff with players and coaches after the games as well. It's on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can watch it on YouTube and Instagram as well. Chris, can we do another five minutes or are you tight for time? No, I'm all right. Great stuff. We said we'd do 20 and we're already on 26. Uh, just really engaging and interesting as always. The new manager, Filippo Giovanioli, and I was one of the people who was first to be tweeting when the news broke about his appointment and looking at his CV and stuff. And I'm so happy for him that he has done so well and he's so confident speaking to you guys, speaking to the media. But you can really see watching the games that it's now his team. Yes, he hasn't signed any players, but there are subtle differences that I can see certainly in how the team is playing now to, to maybe how it played before. How have you found him and that and, and maybe differences that he wants from you playing in that anchorman role in midfield, for example? Um, yeah, no, he's, he's been brilliant with me. I, I, I can't see many having a bad word about Filippo. You know, he's really took us in. You know, one of his first meetings was said, like, I'm your coach now. You may never heard of me, but as of this moment, we're a family now. So he kind of brought a bit a big togetherness in the squad. And when you say we've, we've kind of a band, a band of brothers type situation. And I'm sure he couldn't have imagined that it, it may be going so well as it has done. You know, it's, it, we always get a great buzz because after we have, these we've had these big European wins. The lads are on the FaceTime back to this small town in Italy and 
all their family are in Dundalk jerseys and all. So it's brilliant for them to see that side of it because, you know, they're, they're before, first and foremost, they're nice guys and then they're good coaches coming in after that. But, uh, ah, for me, in my yeah, role, yeah. um, they're Italian, so they'll, they'll love a defensive midfielder and, and, and the back four, so it suits me. Yeah, and, and I know Dundalk have always been known to play a good passing brand of football under Stephen, under Vinny, and now under Filippo as well. Has there been much difference in terms of what he's asking the team to do? Like, like I've noticed the centre-backs seem to be going a little bit closer to Aaron McCary or Gary Rogers to try and get the ball and start things, whereas maybe previously if there was if there was a press on, it might have been you know some goal kicks longer and then to play on second balls and stuff, but there does seem to be a real... I want the keeper to play without being totally stupid about it, but I want the keeper to play and, and, and get to the centre-backs and go from there. Yeah, they do. They want to play the right way, but they also want to be defensively solid first and foremost. So there is a fine mix, and obviously they will have different tactics for different games, but the way they've came in is suited our style of play because we've always been a footballing team and it's just suited us from day one. We've, we've been a good match since they've come in. Yeah, and you spoke about their, their hometown. I think a couple of games recently have been streamed back there and their families ended on doctors and stuff. That, that's the stuff that you don't necessarily see or hear about and it's the stuff that, one of the reasons why I love the league is, is little stories like that, that they've come over, they've dropped everything, you know, from going from New York. I think they may have been back in Italy at the time. They've come here, dropped everything, taken a risk, taken a kamikaze mission, as Filippo said himself, and flipped it so quickly that they're now away from their families, away from their wives, away from their kids, probably. And that's something, again, that's kind of not seen. Like, No, it's, it's brilliant for the, the, you know, the human side of it. Because I'd imagine the two lads, they said they're not blind. They obviously seen the stuff online when they signed what was being said and stuff like that. So for them to do what they've done is absolutely fantastic. You know, Filippo has a, has a wife and child that he hasn't, it's his 10-year-old son. He hasn't seen him since, when did they get here? August? Yeah, I don't so know the exact date, time. but yeah. It's a long time I've seen your family the same with Giuseppe. He's not seen his girlfriend and that because they're they're 100% committed to what they're doing and they're getting the results for us. So, you know, when you see things like that, you see good things happen to good people, you're, you're happy enough. Yeah, they're so passionate as well on the side. I remember Shane Keegan telling me about Giuseppe. and Them stereotypes. Uh, yeah, but no, he was saying, <laughs> he was explaining what Giuseppe's actually like during the game and how passionate he is and mamma mia and different things. And then, of course, Giuseppe was sent off in one of the games and took a ban and yeah. Shane was booked in the European game. But that... That passion on the sideline, and every manager is different, and I'm not suggesting other people, you know, Stephen, Kenny, Vinnie Perth, massively passionate as well, but the way they've been and, and, and stuff, you know, on day one coming in and talking about we're all part of the family now, has that made much of a difference in terms of, like, when you're when you're running to battle for them, you hear all the time about the players are going to run through a brick wall for the manager, and that seems to be the same way for these lads as it was for Vinnie, Stephen, and so on. Yeah, but we as a, we as a group have always played for every manager. We we would have done that for anyone who was going to take the helm. Had it been, you know, Giller and Rennie, we would have been doing the same with that because the the rut we were in, we were like the players were suffering the probably suffering the most because we we weren't used to it. To be fair, but you see, you said Shane got booked in the European games. I'm pretty sure that was probably Giuseppe's fault. Yeah, and Shane and Shane got the blame. But yeah, the, Giuseppe and Filippo are are quite polar opposites. You know, Filippo is quite calm and collected on the sideline, although he might show something in Italian that sounds, you know, fiery because of his language, but he's probably not. He's quite calm and he doesn't really get flustered on the sideline. And then you have Giuseppe, who's a, you know, firecracker there. And the style and, and the system we've spoken about and the, you know, how they are and stuff, but they just seem to as well be, I've seen more of Filippo in terms of interviews and stuff, 
you know, good people with good values. And again, I'm not behind the scenes. I, I don't know how it's all rolling, but th- there does seem to be a good connection between the manager and the players and, and how he treats you and the environment. And of course, the new training ground and stuff is great. But he, he does just seem to as well be, be the type of person who, who, who has that already affinity and connection with, with a group of players who he only met a couple of months ago. Yeah, that's it. He's you know he's a charismatic fellow. He'll probably help him along the way as well. But yeah, like he's came in, treated us right from day one, and he, you know you if you get respect, that you're, you're always going to give respect. So it's worked like that. Like I said, we've worked quite well together as a group of players and new Mandarin side, and it's went hand in hand. And like I said, they're getting the results, and they're in a position which they probably never thought they would be in. Being in. Chris, lastly, your own career at Dundalk is. Just an unbelievable story from when you signed for Stephen Kenny in 2012. Uh, Sean McCaffrey signed me in 2012. Oh, of course. Sean McCaffrey signed you and then Stephen came in the following year. Stephen came in year. the following year, yeah. Yeah, and finished second in the league in 2013 behind St. Pat's by three points. And then leagues in 14, 15, 16, 18 and 19. A couple of FAI Cups, League Cups, Group Stage 2016, Group Stage 2020. You're in the team of the year twice. Your form, your passing, your everything is just been so good tell me about your time and just how fantastic it's been and, and maybe how you feel you've improved since when you joined the club having played for Bray to now being one of the best midfielders in this league for the last 10 years <laughs> thanks <laughs> I suppose when I when I first signed I was just I was raw you know when I played for Bray I was always renowned for just high energy box to box I'll always work hard like it still stands to me now we, we, no use unless we're working hard but that's Probably that's all I had and just steadily over the years improving passing, reading the game was a huge thing for me in my position, you know, a lot of interceptions, tackles. I was always a I was a tall always a tall lad in the league, so aerial stuff came handy enough in the middle as well. But you really it really was emphasized since I started playing European football in twenty fourteen, you have to be good on the ball or because you, you might not see it as often as you do in the league. So that's when it really does matter to be, you know, be assured in your passing. In what ways has your passing improved and how have you improved it? Can I, with experience and just playing games, I suppose, there's no after training sessions where I'm taking a bag of balls and picking out areas and stuff. It's just, it's kind of happened gradually over time, over the amount of matches I've played and just learning as you get older. You know, let a lot of the ball do the work. Whereas we, when I just think back when I was younger, I would have been trying to force too many things or make the, you know, a Hollywood pass or something like that. You just, you kind of just learn it with age, just do the simple things right. And then the rest just seems to fall in, pla- fall in place, you know, the old cliches, but they're actually true. Yeah, because you would have always been known as that, you know, physical, strong, number six. He'll tackle, he'll screen things, he'll make fouls, he'll take yellows and at times miss important games for the purpose of the team. But I've just really enjoyed your, your, your with the ball stuff and, and your, again, passing and involvement in the team in a creative way and in an attacking way that maybe you may not have been known for earlier in your career as well. And like the pace of your passes and stuff. Again, it's something you hear all the time about practice, practice, practice. And I'm sure as well, the level of games that you've played in, you've had to just up those standards because particularly in the European matches and the Rovers and the court games in recent years, the cup finals and stuff, they're such high quality games and high quality opposition. I'm sure that probably just adds to your your needs to make sure you're an all round midfielder. Yeah, that's it. When you're thrown, when you're at a big club, you're thrown into big games, and you, you know, in my position, you can't shy away from stuff like that. So, 
it was either be good on the ball or you you wouldn't be in the team. So that's really what it was. Again, as well, the, since I've been at the club, well, since say twenty thirteen onwards, the standard in training has always made you up your quality as well because they've just been so high intense and willing to win right the way through. That's not changed even to now. The willing to win and training and stuff. Lads levels rising makes you 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 have to rise as well, or you'd be left behind. So it's always the the caliber of player I've been lucky enough to play with, and the the standard of training I've been involved with as well have been a massive help. Yeah, and you hear even when Stephen O'Donnell was still at the club that the kind of team runs itself in terms of like this word standards and stuff. But what does that actually mean for you guys? And you do have a very highly qualified manager, and you've got masseuses and physios and GPS and video, but it's probably the other stuff, the the prehab and the eating correctly and the bringing, you know, your stuff to have your shower or your gym sessions. I'm not exactly sure what that kind of transforms like when you hear that the Dundalk group just looks after itself. You might expand on that a bit. I'm not one that if the, if the lads at the club hear me talking about the gym and going in to see the physios, I'd be, I'd be a massive lawyer, to be fair. <laughs> no, a lot of our thing was... When we had the chance, we always seemed to, whatever year it was, we always seemed to have a month or two where you'd go without gym because we'd have that many games taken over. That's when I felt the the team kind of ran itself. When the lads who aren't, haven't been playing, even their standard of training didn't drop because they know like that they can be called in at any, any moment in time. And that's been the same in the past, say, even two, three years. Even Steve, who's left, he was a big driver of it. But that's when I would say you were doing your things right off the field as well as you're working really, really hard when you're involved in the group for that hour and a half, two hours a day that you are there. And lastly, the Sean McCaffrey era ended with Darius Kieran's becoming the caretaker manager and staying up in that famous playoff against Waterford. And we roll on now seven, eight years to the cusp of a second Europa League group stage and all those league titles and cups I mentioned and stuff. How do you kind of look back on that from where that game could have taken Dundalk to where it actually did take Dundalk when Stephen took over through Vinny and, and Filippo now and just how an incredible turnaround. And I know there has been off-the-pitch stuff at different times with owners and stuff about the stadium and stuff. But again, that's not stuff you can control. You can control what's happening with the football. And what's happened with the football in the last seven, eight years since that famous match against Waterford has just been like fairy tale stuff. Yeah, it's been an incredible journey for likes. And I always say, John, myself and John, I always appreciate when myself and himself were in the squads together doing things like that. Because not only for the club had we lost in Waterford, you know, would have what would my career could have completely skewed into absolutely nothingness. So to be be a bit grateful that the sign back with Stephen, and, and even that didn't work out at the start because I was signed as a centre half and I was signed as and I was a poor centre half. Then to move into a natural position and just have me my career kind of absolutely kicks kickstart and then skyrocket from there is something I never thought in my brain days. I always think thinking back like I'd always sit there and go geez I wonder if I'll ever win anything and now to have won what I've won with a core group of lads you know that you'll you'd probably know for the rest of your life is I probably won't really appreciate it again until I'm until I'm retired because you're always wanting the next carrot but it's it's been a pretty special career so far and no intention of stopping now and I know this group of players hasn't either so it's it's been brilliant to be kind of I wouldn't be a one-man club because I play with Bray as well, but it's quite rare in the League of Ireland that you'd see players staying at clubs the length that a lot of us have stayed, including myself. So it's it's nice to have that as well, that you're not just hopping from club to club. 
Yeah, well, 29 years young, Shields, he sold lots more stories to tell. People on. never, ever believe that. Yes, it's true. I'm I looking know. at it in front of me here. Yeah, I'm 29. Yeah, I know you are. So lots of years to go and more importantly, lots of big games to go in the next six, seven, eight weeks, starting on Thursday at Talat. Quarter, no, five to six. It's Dundalk against Malden FK from Norway. Yeah, the weird with the TV times and that's what you're dealing with now. You hear the Premier League managers moaning about Klopp didn't want to play at half 12 on Sunday, Saturday because the team are on the international duty. You'll play at the time the matches fix that and you'll love it and the best of luck, Chris. Thanks for joining me on League of Ireland Live's Dundalk in Europe episode one. All right, cheers, Jamie.